This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting. I'm Cole Carmody of GoPowerCat.com. Before we get going with this video, make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Leave a like if you like the video. Drop a comment as well. Don't forget to go subscribe to GoPowerCat.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we had a chance to talk with Monty Spiller, former Kansas State defensive back and co-host of the Friday Walkthrough with yours truly on GoPowerCat. Great conversations about his time at Kansas State. And at the end, even a little preview of what the Wildcats might look like in 2023. Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting. Our guest today is none other than former Kansas State defensive back and also co-host of Go Power Cats' very own Friday walkthrough, Monty Spiller. First of all, Monty, thanks for taking the time out of your day to, to do this with me. We get a chance to talk a lot, but we haven't really heard had a chance to hear your story. There's a lot of people that hear you talk about current K-State football, but once upon a time, you also were a part of some very special seasons at K-State, so can't wait to get into that. Um, before we start anything, some people may not know, they may be wondering, you still are and live in Manhattan. What does life look like in uh, your life these days. Yeah, man. Um, I, I came back to Manhattan about roughly 11 years ago. Um, it's funny because I, the year when I graduated, I said, you know, uh, being a big city boy, I, I couldn't wait to get out of Manhattan and start living life. But, you know, fast forward 2023, here I am. Um, I'm loving it. I have two boys, a senior in high school, a freshman in high school, and I'm currently working at a retirement community full time, which I love, which you asked me several years ago if I see myself doing that, uh, I would say you're crazy, but it, it's an awesome, awesome place to be, and I really like it a lot. And it, it, before we get into your side of things, uh, you mentioned one of your sons. Uh, he, he's a senior. He's also going to play college football. Um, I just want to ask you this. When you were going through the recruiting process to compared to what your son was going through, did you notice any major differences and uh, what stood out to you in that, in that part of it? Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things, um, obviously back when I was uh, a senior in high school, back in 93, social media was not a thing. Um, and, and, and fortunately coach Dana Demo, 
uh, had the Dallas area. He recruited the Dallas area. So he was the one that recruited me out of high school. And uh, I recall him coming to my high school, talking to my head coach, and um, kind of aging myself. Back then, um, they had VHS tapes, and they had actually even some film that was still on the reel. So uh, they didn't have huddle accounts like they do now. But uh, it was fun. Coach Dilma came to the high school. Um, he, uh, you know, back then, K-State wasn't, K-State. Um, they were in a big eight still. It wasn't a big 12. And they were kind of at the bottom of the barrel. You know, Coach Snyder had taken over and the work, the process was in the works, but they still hadn't uh, took their first foot forward to where we are today. But uh, Coach Demo was a heck of a recruiter and that the staff sold me and a lot of other young people on the program in the future and the direction they were heading in. But yeah, the technology today is crazy compared to what we had. So it's, it's a big difference. And I know like today, you know, regardless of the level that uh, that the kids go to to play at, there's constant communication, it seems like. When you were going through that process, was it kind of just like, oh, you go home and, and your mom answers the phone, hey, there's a coach on the line waiting to talk to you. How, how would that process look like? How often, I guess, did you talk to schools? Yeah, it was like what you said, you know, first of all, most time everything was through letters. You know, I'd get home, my mom would say, hey, you got a letter from this school, you got a letter from this school. And then normally the coaches would contact my head coach at the time. And then at that point, Coach Cox, my football coach in, in high school, would contact my mom and say, hey, um, this coach called about money. And so expect a phone call from them later tonight. And so he would kind of give me a heads up ahead of time. And we would talk to them and, and they would tell us about the program, what they presented, and you know, getting us up on a recruiting trip. And at that point, if I showed interest uh, of that specific school, the head coaches or the recruiting coach would come to my house and visit. And that was very similar with K-State as well. Um, it wasn't a whole lot of highlights being put up. It wasn't likes. It wasn't follows. It wasn't retweets like that. It was face-to-face -face or a phone call. And I remember Coach Demo talking to me about, hey, you know, um, uh, the school let me know that you did this. What did this on in Texas? We take the SAT more so than the ACT back then. But uh, he'll let me know, hey, your counselor got your AC, SAT scores back. You're looking good. So if there's something you want to do, we want to have you. And that's kind of what the process was as well. Yeah, it's fascinating now. Just going back and and listening to that, kids today probably don't even know that film was actually <laughs> on the film. You had to put it on, and yeah, just. Just to really, that's how I mean, these coaches that are now recruiting kids, that's the kind of communication that they know. And so the evolution, I feel like that they have had to make is just as in, just as fascinating as, as the game of football itself. I also want to ask you now that you've been back in Manhattan for, you said, 11 years now, what's your relationship like with the with the new staff and, and some of those guys? And I know you're around the program a lot, but just how cool is it to see some of those guys um, where they are now and, and even some of your former teammates? Yeah, man. Um, you know, one thing about K-State, and, and we take pride in a lot, and I feel like Coach Snyder and his staff kind of branded the family uh, motto in a lot of schools, along with Nike, kind of jumped on board after the fact, but it holds true. You know, um, I would go up to the complex, watch practices, Coach Kleinman, Coach Klanderman, uh, Coach Malone, a lot of those guys, they, they welcome me with open arms. They welcome my boys with open arms. They talk about what's going on. Joe Hall is a good buddy of mine. I had the privilege to coach uh, one of his sons in football and play against my son, played against him as well, and in, in other sports. So, like you said, it's a big family. And the, and the staff that we have in place here 
it's the right staff. You know, obviously winning makes a big difference and winning the Big 12 was huge. But from a, you know, a personal aspect, it's good to go up there. I can go up there and they'll talk to you about certain things. A lot of the, the um, uh, support staff as well. Scott Eiler, he's still there. He was there when I was there. Uh, we worked out together a couple of times at the same gym. So it's, it's, it's good to be back in town. And it's not it's like I left, but I didn't. And I still feel welcome there no matter what. And, and you touched on it a little bit, but I want to go back to your days uh, before K-State down in Texas. And, and I know you talked a little bit about your recruiting, but what was that whole process like? Because you mentioned it. At the time, K-State, while you were being recruited, had yet to be in a bowl game in years. Uh, Futility U, the Sports Illustrated cover, was still um, fairly new, about two or three years old at the time. What was your perception like of K-State before you mentioned, obviously, Coach Dimmel reached out to you and started recruiting you? Honestly, K-State was one, and, and I'm not sure why, but K-State was one of the last schools that came to my high school and recruited myself and, and two other guys on my team. Um, it's funny because it's ironic how things work out. Um, Glenn Mason at KU was the head coach at KU at the time, and um, Coach Warner was a quarterback's coach for KU, and they had the Dallas area. And KU actually was the first school that offered me um, uh, for football, and they were actually decent at the time. They played in the um, Aloha Bowl, I want to say, against Cal that year, and and they would talk to me and say, hey, we're, we're playing on ESPN tonight against Cal. Watch the game. Let me know. Let us know what you think, but we would love to have you as a Jayhawk. And, and so they were up there being one of the first schools to offer, and then Texas Tech, Colorado, Missouri, and uh, a few other schools. And you remember, we are the Big Eight back then. Uh, and me growing up in Texas, the Southwest Conference was more of a thing for us Texas kids than the Big Eight. And so a lot of schools from the Southwest Conference were also interested. But it's kind of ironic how KU was the first to offer and K-State was the last to offer. And it was one of those things, a buddy of mine, T.J. Robinson, who I played with, he actually ended up signing with me at K-State. He's a D-back from, from my high school, and he stayed there a year and ended up leaving and going back home to Texas after his freshman year. But we came on our recruiting trip together to K-State, and when I met Coach Bob Stoops, he was a D coordinator at the time, and Coach Jim Levitt was a co-D coordinator. Those guys, you know, sat and talked to them, and obviously Coach Snyder. Um, anybody who had the opportunity to talk to them, it's hard to say no. And, you know, they sold me on the idea, yeah, we're the big eight, but we're going to be the Big 12 soon. And so you have plenty of opportunity to go back home and play uh, in front of family and friends and against your buddies in high school. And and what they were what they were selling me, I bought it, and, and it, it held true, obviously. But you just knew something special was brewing uh, in Manhattan. But it's funny how KU was the first to offer me, and K-State was the last, but I, I know I made the right decision. <laughs> What was your impression of Manhattan as a town? It's Again, looking back on it now, you've lived here for so long. Mm -hmm. um, what was your first impression when you stepped foot in Manhattan? Well, it's, it's kind of funny because um, prior to that, Manhattan Airport hadn't expanded like it, it has now. And so we flew in from Dallas to Kansas City. And then Mike Stoops met us, all the recruits, in Kansas City Airport. And they put us on a smaller plane to fly us in to Manhattan. And it was in December when we came in our recruiting visit and they flew us over the stadium and there was snow on the ground. And it was myself, TJ, um, another young man from New Jersey, uh, a couple other kids from Florida and, and, and California. And we were all looking at each other like, ain't no way we coming here, man, <laughs> you know, with the snow on the ground. But then um, when we got here and just the welcoming nature of it was awesome. We went out for a little bit. We met some of the players. My host for my first night was Brian Kavanaugh, who was a former quarterback for us. And then Chuck Marlowe, who was a defensive back. He was also 
one of my hosts. And Chuck was awesome. He made me feel at home. He, he's a Cardinal Mooney guy from uh, Ohio. And so he basically said, hey, something special going on. And the fact that I was a D-back and he was a D-back. And he goes, if you want to be part of something special, come check it out. But And, you know, it's one of those things where um, the community was embracing the team. They hadn't had a lot of success at that point. But you can tell the excitement was building with Coach Schneider. And, and the fact that the Power Cat logo, it's funny because now I look at it daily. But as a kid from Texas, I had never really seen that logo. And we all was like, man, that's a cool logo. And then me being from Dallas and a Cowboys fan, our uniforms were very similar to the Cowboys. That yep. kind of played a role in it, too. And I was like, that kind of like the Cowboys uniform. So that was awesome. But the community in Manhattan was awesome. It was cold. And uh, I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of it. But the coaches say, hey, it's four or five years of your life. Make the most of it. You can go wherever you want to go after the fact, but give it a chance. And so they kind of pushed that, and, and, and it worked. You talk about some of those coaches, and that's what I want to ask you about next because, I mean, that is a legendary staff. With yeah. I think I've talked about this before the show. Five future head coaches on the staff between Mike Stoops, Bob Stoops, Jim Levitt, Dana Dimmel, and obviously Mark Mangino, and then you throw in Bill Snyder. I mean, did you know at the time that those guys were going to be head coaches eventually? And, and just what was it like to work with uh, those types of coaches? No, I I knew we had a great coaching staff, and you forgot one. Although he was a GA for a year, and then he became an assistant two years prior. But Brent Venables also was yeah. on that staff as a GA. Yeah. But uh, from the defensive side of the ball, you know, people, if you look back every day, Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops, um, Coach Man, uh, Coach Ven- uh, Venables, and Coach Levitt, those are all defensive coaches. So we have defensive meetings. So I get to hear those guys daily, and the intensity. And the knowledge and the way they broke down game field and the way they prepared us for games, I had no idea how much they were preparing me for the game and for later in life in my coaching career. But I knew Coach Stoops was special after my first year because he would make adjustments uh, during game situations and at halftime, and he would see the field like no other coach I had seen. And so, and we would like talk about his players I'm like man coach made a great adjustment and, and, and it was great seeing it happen because he would put it on the board and said this is what's going to happen this is what you need to do and sure enough it will happen and looking back now offensive wise as well coach demo coach mangino um the max Sackers brothers were here as well uh, and a couple other guys i don't know i'm forgetting greg peterson all those guys were here we had a great coaching staff but when you have great coaches, other people want them. And obviously the guys started leaving and, and I'm happy for them. They had the opportunity to be great head coaches and some of them are still in the game. So I had no idea how much of an impact they would have, but I knew we had some special dudes in our meeting rooms, uh, my time here in Manhattan. And that first year that you're there and you're red shirting, K-State goes to the Copper Bowl and, you know, what is now seen as one of the, the biggest wins in, in program history. Um, that season, did you kind of feel like you were stepping into a place where the momentum was starting to get rolling? And, and what was that season like, seeing those guys have the success after putting in the three years of, you know, just, just hard, hard work? Man, it was awesome. You know, I had no idea how much um, confidence was in that, in, that, in that football team, in that locker room. You know, and, and talking about some of the players I played with, I was very fortunate as far as quarterbacks – I was fortunate to play against several good quarterbacks and the way things happened. My redshirt year and then my next four years, my first year I had Chad May. Uh, you know, everybody calls 
because uh, him one of the pioneers as far as quarterback you outside of the early years. But then uh, Brian Kavanaugh, Matt Miller, um, um, Mike Bishop, uh, Jonathan Beasley. I play with all those guys, and people forget you play with them guys, but you practice against some guys as well. And I remember being a freshman. Uh, Mitch Running was one of our star receivers. Tyson Swiger, Andre Coleman. Um, my roommate for one year, Ron Brown, he was a JUCO transfer, so he's not a big of name, but he made his footprint as well. He was a heck of a receiver. But a lot of those guys were excellent receivers, and I got to go against them every day in practice. And uh, Mitch Running, um, probably one of the best teammates I ever had. But my first two months, he would roast me in practice. He would just – he, he probably one of the best route runners I've ever seen. And then Kevin Lockett as well. And, and those guys were awesome. K-Lock and Mitch would roast me in practice. And about two months into practice, one time I got Mitch off the line and I jammed him. And he came back to me and goes, you've been in the weight room. I'm like, yeah, I have. He goes, you ain't skinny spiller anymore. You're getting a little strong. So, but, and I took it as a compliment because he recognized I was working hard. But those guys made me better. And the fact that they recognized me getting better gave me confidence. But that's the kind of team we had, and it was an awesome experience, man. I'll tell you what. The quarterbacks you mentioned that you played with, is the, that's actually incredible. I'm wondering, you know, how, how many guys you would probably be – there would be a short list of guys who had been there for as long as you came in with, you stayed with you, that got a chance to be around all those quarterbacks. Right. Um, it's impossible to rank them as far as um, talent-wise. But do you remember, especially with, with Michael, just ever a time where you're like, oh, like this cat's kind of different? Yeah, man. Uh, watching him when he came in, uh, he came to watch a practice one time, a spring practice, and and you can see the guys put together pretty good. But just his presence, he was confident. And a lot of people will call it arrogance, but it was confident. And the fact that he chose K State, the fact that Coach Snyder gave him an opportunity to be a quarterback with a dual threat, and a lot of times I know it's been documented as a as a recent, but the Wildcat quarterback. Mike and our offense, they created the Wildcat offense. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. They want to say Tim Tebow, some other guys. K-State, Mike Bishop, and that offense, Coach Snyder, Coach Hudson, they implemented that that offense. And it, he basically made a dual threat quarterback popular and successful. And when Mike and our offense got rolling, every other team kind of copied what they were doing. But I knew he was special. His first game as a starter, we were on the road um, against Northern Illinois up there. And it was kind of odd for us to start on the road against a um, smaller um, demographic mm -hmm. as far as competition. But Mike sh showed he can throw the ball, run the ball. And at that point, we all were looking around and was like, that boy's special. We knew it. And so at that point, we we understood that something uh, ahead of us was happening. And, and it ended up being a great season that year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another guy I want to ask you about, and, and you mentioned playing on the road with Cincinnati joining the Big 12 this year. K-State <laughs> will not be going up there this year, but hopefully they'll go up there soon. Uh, one game that has to stick out in your mind is the Cincinnati game and, and the Hail Mary, obviously, for you guys to win it there at the end. Um, what was what was that game like, especially with you know the way that uh, the season would end up, would end up with – 
um, you guys having to go up there and playing against a Cincinnati team who was obviously a, a decent ball club. And yeah. here we are in 2023 and they're still pretty good and they're joining the Big 12. That's got to be pretty cool for you. That is, you know, it's funny because once I um, learned they were joining the Big 12, I automatically went back to that game. And it was a game we were down at halftime. We weren't playing very good. Uh, and I still remember uh, during the halftime speech, Coach uh, Coach Stoops, uh, Mike Stoops, uh, broke a, a whiteboard in the, in the um, locker room. He was so upset with where we were playing, which was warranted. We were not playing very good, making mistakes on special teams. Uh, busted coverages, uh, offense wasn't moving the ball like we were capable. But the fact that we persevered, got through it, and then and then when Matt threw that ball to lock uh, on that that post that post corner route, and he tiptoed in, uh, the sideline went crazy. It was it was amazing. Uh, we had a, a good following of fans there. But it's one of those games where we found a way to win, you know. And I think that also played a role in K State's history as well, because even though we were down on the road against a quality opponent. We found a way to win, and then people took notice. You know what? K-State's, they're making strides. So, But, yeah, it's good to see Cincinnati come. Um, I hope they have a good experience in the Big 12. Don't beat us, but uh, it's good to see them part of the Big 12 now. And K-State was new to the Big 12. You touched on it earlier when um, you joined the program. What was kind of the attitude like in Texas? Because you mentioned everybody in Texas wants to play for Southwest Conference team. Now those – guys that those teams are merging with the big 12 what was the attitude like in texas did you hear from some of your friends like oh you're playing for a big eight school like you guys are going to be terrible against all these texas schools what was that attitude like when there was the merger between the southwest conference and the big 12 and and ultimately how did how do you think it affected you and and your team especially on the recruiting trail as well honestly you know um k-state by that time we were we were more respected than we were back in 93. And I was fortunate enough to play in the first ever Big 12 game against Texas Tech. And um, there's a lot of things to, to be remembered. It was hot. It was so hot that game. Our defense played over 100 snaps that game. I wasn't a starter, but I came off the bench and played in the game. I was a special team guy. Um, I came came in on third down. Um, but I remember guys were cramping up left and right. And uh, and Brian Hansbart was a stud running back for Texas Tech. A lot of people don't remember him. But uh, he was amazing running back. And Zebby Lethridge was a quarterback who was also a, a dynamic dual-threat quarterback also. And, and it was a battle, you know. But for me, being a Texas guy, to play against the Texas Tech, the first ever Big 12 game, it was special. But honestly, I think that game gave us a lot more recognition in the state of Texas. And they were going to, like on TV, they were talking about our roster and some of our star players and some of our starters. And there was a lot of Texas guys on there. And I think guys realized, you know what? I don't have to go to the UT. I don't have to go to an a and I don't have to go to a Tech to be a good player in the Big 12. I can go to K-State, make a name for myself, and play a lot. And so a lot of guys looked upon that, and, and we had a phenomenal crowd. You know, the atmosphere was great. And I think a lot of even the Texas Tech fans were talking after the fact of how great of an environment it was, and they helped us significantly. So I was excited about it, especially because we got the win. I think Texas Tech now is one of those schools that everybody looks at as like a, a trademark Big 12 school. And with the Big 12 expansion, it's, it's always fun to kind of reflect on how the conference got to where it is. Um, I want to ask you about some of your favorite games. Uh, we talked about the Cincinnati game already, but is there any one particular game that you, when you think back and you say, wow, I am just so lucky to have been a part of this game? 
Probably my last game, man. Um, it was the Fiesta Bowl. I got I got hurt early in the year, ankle injury, and so it kind of limited my play late in the season. I actually hurt against Nebraska. Uh, I only lost that that year um, in that, and and I was kind of hit and miss. But the fact that we were in a bowl game, we were eleven and one, uh, ranked in the top fifteen. Uh, playing against Donovan McNabb, one of the better quarterbacks at Syracuse. And, uh, you know, I hate that we lost to Nebraska, but they were the eventual national champions that year. And if you're going to lose a game on the road to a team, why not the national champions? But uh, and, but the fact that our team had came so far, and like Mike Bishop was our quarterback, Donovan McDonald, those guys were playing, Jeff Kelly, uh, Seminole, I can go on. You know all the names. Uh, we had so many star players and we had so many role players. And I was a role player, but I was okay with that because I understood that we were stacked with talent. And a lot of times going into my freshman year, we may have had a seven or eight guys that were quote unquote stars. Now we had rosters full of stars on both sides of the ball. You know, even special teams, Martin Gramatica, David Allen, um, the return guys, you, you recognize the names. But the fact that we would have, my senior year was my class that we came in to win 11 games for the first time in K-State history. And the way we did it against a, uh, a quality opponent in a bowl game, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve slash day bowl game was even more special because that was significant for the state, for the state of Kansas and for Kansas State football and university history. So that probably has to be my first, my best memory uh, as a player for K-State. So when you guys are preparing for Syracuse and you're seeing Donovan McNabb, did you, did you know that he would have as much success in the NFL as he ultimately ended up having? We knew he was good. We knew he was special because people forget he was a stud basketball player for Syracuse also. And we know he he had a lot of draft talk uh, about him. But it's funny because in our uh, meeting rooms, we took it personal because some media outlets from the East Coast were talking about Donovan more than they were talking about Mike. And so we were like, okay, you think Donovan's better than Mike? We're going to show you. So we took it personal. You know, and I mean, obviously Mike showed out and he did his thing. But as a defense, we we wanted to shut him down, and and we pretty much controlled him the whole game. You know, Andre Rowe, he was a defensive lineman with us. He had a heck of a game. Darren Howard, he had a heck of a game. Uh, D, uh, Damian McIntosh, all those guys were heck of a players, and they took it personal as, as a D-line and the linebackers and our secondary took it personal too. So it was fun, and, and it's something that we went in saying, you know what, our quarterback is better than yours, and we're going to show you. I feel like whenever people think of K-State, they typically think of offense and I mean, that's what Coach Snyder was. He was an offensive guy. They think of, you know, the Michael Bishops. They think of the Colin Kleins. But the K-State defense has always been something that has been underrated, um, Mm. an underrated part of of the program. And throughout the history of the Big 12, K-State has consistently been in the upper half of of defense. Do you feel like that your group and the group before, maybe even the group a little bit, the group before you, kind of set the mentality of we have to play differently if we want to beat teams because the defense has just always been a staple. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. Um, it's funny you say that because when I came in to K-State, uh, you know, people recognize the most recent names, but and, and you would, you've been knowing the history of it. Um, Kenny McIntyre, Jamie Mendez, Kit Rollins, uh, Thomas Randolph, Joe Gordon, Mario Smith, Steve Hanks, all those guys were D-backs um, when I got here, and they were established, and they were good players. They didn't get the recognition of some of the other guys because Colorado was good back then. You know, they were one of the dominant teams in the Big 12. Nebraska was good back then. But those guys 
brought us in and they showed us the way. And then Coach Stoops was our defensive back coach and co-D coordinator and Coach Level was a linebacker's coach and co-D coordinator. But they took everything personal. And it's funny because a lot of people are familiar with the lynch mob. That started with that group in 93. And I remember specifically we were watching film and Bob Stoops was like, man, that's a great play. You guys were like a mob all over. It was like 10 guys with the ball and, and Jamie Mendez and Kenny Mack was like lynch mob, and that kind of stuck, and that's where it started. A lot of people don't realize that, so they kind of coined that and tabbed that that mentality of lynch mob defense. And I'm proud to say that it's back now, but that's something they looked they looked into uh, and, and went with that. So that defense, those guys that I just named, they are definitely pioneers for that defense side of the ball. So you're telling me that you were in the film room when the name the lynch mob was yep. manifested. Yep, Coach Bob, who said you guys are mob, like a mob all over those boys. And Kenny Mack, Jamie Mendez, Thomas Randolph, they 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 say, hey, and Steve Hanks, like, hey, like a lynch mob. Yep. <laughs> sure and enough. Just stuck, and and here it is in 2023, and it's yep. still stuck. That that that's incredible. I I want to ask you now a little bit about the current affairs of K State because now that you're back and you've got the chance to, you know, be around the program, your son, you know, your sons have seen the program and been up close and personal with the program as, as well. Do you feel similarities between the 2022-2023 versions of K-State and, and when you guys were really rolling in the 90s? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where um, I was talking to one of my coworkers, uh, Doug Fisher. He's a good buddy of mine. He played K-State back in the day, and I make fun of him. Uh, he's a little older than me, a lot older than me. But um, but we were talking, and we went to a practice a couple of years ago, and I said, you know, a lot of the – I said, these guys, they look – different and it's like with their build you know for for a while there we would play uh, some of our teams be playing and and we knew we had some quality athletes but the eye test wasn't there but and we knew we had talent but now the guys even look different with a physical build with the confidence and no matter who comes in we'll look at them we'll look at us and we look like the dominant team but there's a confidence about these guys and and obviously if you look at the draft we just had four guys drafted and then got a lot of guys signed undrafted free agency and a couple of guys got chances in camp. You know, when was the last time K-State football had that many guys go? You know, and, and if you get the NFL people looking at us, we're doing something right. You know, they're not going to just draft you just to draft you because you're an investment. So they're doing something right. So absolutely, I it looks similar to when I was there, but even better. And, and nothing against uh, Coach Snyder, obviously, because he is the – uh, the one that created the, 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 the aura and everything's going on with K-State. But Coach Kleiman has benefited from that history of what those teams set, and he's making it his own but making it better. So they look good. I'm excited about next year. And, and that's the last question I got for you. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the football season, I'm sure. But I, I want to ask you about your early impressions of the 2023 roster and by the way, if you do like us to talk and make sure you go check out uh, the Friday walkthrough that will be back this year as well. But I want to ask you that. Give me a short prediction or a little overview of, of what you think 2023 might look like for K-State. It's kind of funny, you know, when we do our Friday walkthrough, our biggest concern was secondary going in because we had a bunch of what ifs. You know, we lost this guy, we lost that guy. And I think it remains the same this year going in secondary. You lost a lot of starters, a lot of experience. But we got guys coming back. You know, I look for Savage to be a leader. If he stays healthy, he's going to be special as well. Uh, but offense side of the ball, you know, DJ Giddens, he had a heck of a season. He kind of got lost in the shuffle. But I think we have a chance to 
compete for a repeat Big 12. And I'm not that saying it as a bias. Uh, with our whole O-line coming back and with our quarterback coming back, and, you know, we got a lot of recruits that came in that could play early. We got a good chance, you know, and we can put up some points, but I think as a defense as well, we got a lot of significant parts coming back. But I'm not saying we're going to go undefeated in, the, in, in, in conference play, but there's a chance. There's always a chance. Monty, thanks so much for joining me today on Friday Never Find. It's good as always to catch up with you, and uh, we'll be in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Go Cats. <laughs>